Hey, welcome to the show. It's that time again. I'm I'm Joe. I'm Jen. And this is our show. Here's the thing. We're doing some stuff here. And so this show that you might have known and loved for uh, the majority of the year of 2020, we're trying, is going through some rebranding. You know, it's like you're, you're hitting puberty. Things are changing. You don't understand it. It's confusing. A little scary. You're a little angry about it. That's understandable. But yeah, we uh, we just wanted to kind of like hone in on what we're doing. So the show, moving forward, henceforth, uh, is Radio Gripe. Welcome to Radio Gripe. Uh, we did not make this name change lightly. Gripe is an acronym. Is that correct, Joe? Uh, it is. It is correct. Uh, if you really want to be uh, granular and kind of split the hairs about it, Gripe, uh, I guess would stand for gently reveling in prolonged exposure, uh, which would match our our new graphic that Jen herself has, has mocked up for us. It took very little effort. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to kind of like fine tune uh, what we're doing with the show uh, because we've been doing it for a while and we, I don't know, feel a little bit more comfortable in these boots, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're. I feel like we're still going to try. We're not just giving up. Oh, for sure. No, yeah. It's not like we're, we, we've stopped trying and now we're just going to gripe. If you think about it, we've been griping the whole time. Uh, so that's not different. We're going to keep trying, folks. There's a few weird tryings uh, present already in the podcast pantheon. I would say more than a few. Yeah. Which we're about to join. Apparently yeah. a lot of people are trying. Apparently a lot of people tried at some point and then stopped in 2018. But nonetheless, that makes it kind of difficult to find our show when you're looking through your uh, favorite podcatcher. So here we are. New year, new us. Not yet, but working on it. Uh, let me say real quick. Um, of course, the opinions expressed here on We're Trying do not reflect the opinions of KBSR as a whole. Uh, we are given free reign uh, over these digital waves to do what we do, say what we say, and uh, we are all about that. So we hope that you can get down on it, and if not, you can let us know how you feel about it. We're trying show at gmail.com. Yeah, we're, we're open to hearing your case. We're not going to get into a whole argument with you. Uh, we're not necessarily going to care, uh, maybe, depending on what you're saying. But we do uh, we do care to hear about you. We've also got an Instagram page. It's uh, We're Trying Show over there on the IG. And uh, you can follow that to get kind of updates on what we're doing and everything else. Uh, Jen, you uh, got anything? You got, you got any little check-in? Any kind of what's new with you? Well, uh, Joe, as I was just saying, off mic, fundamentally ill-equipped for the show this week. Um, instead of listening to the news while I work, I've been listening to Agatha Christie book on tape. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, on my day off, I just picked up a shovel and a wheelbarrow and uh, uh, did some yard work. Also did some, you know, had a nice trad wife day, did some cleaning and cooking, baked a loaf of bread and a meatloaf. Yeah, I'm smelling that meatloaf right now. It's it feels great. like the 50s again. Right on. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you, you don't need to read the news every day all week. That's fine. It's a little too much for my pretty little head sometimes. <laughs> I'm sorry I called you a houseplant earlier. You said you weren't going to apologize for that. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you want to apologize for apologizing? No. Okay. No. Gotta, All right. You got to draw the line somewhere. Um, yeah. Well, I can say for me, uh, 
the last week has been kind of more the same as is my style, but I've, I've realized something. I had, I had this realization while we've been working on the show and how, how we're changing things and moving forward. I did a, I did a disservice to not only you, Jen, but uh, to all our listeners, uh, specifically anybody that enjoyed the month of October, uh, where we went over a lot of horror genre stuff. There is a person that I know here in town, in Taylor, that uh, puts out some really good music, and I just totally overlooked it. So I've talked with uh, Alex, stage name Alex Cuervo, over the last few days, and uh, we're going to remedy that by using some works by uh, Alex's solo project, Spectrostatic, which you can find on Spotify and all kinds of places. And uh, I know a few people around town that have albums, uh, vinyls, uh, from this guy. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to have this stuff, have it on vinyl. It's the way to go. But yeah, just some good, you know, inspired uh, horror genre music. So I look forward to sharing that with y'all from from here forward. We're going to kind of make a habit of that. Yeah, and a quick shout out to the contributor of our new theme song uh, to open and close the show, Trev Wren and the Mental State Fair. Yeah, with that song, uh, Dying in Texas, which I love hearing every time. Uh, as, as we go forward, if you're going to be listening live on the radio, you might get little bonuses of extra things we want to include, but moving forward into podcast territory as we are, we're going to keep it a little bit more organic as well as we can. And still we want to include music, but we don't want to just do cheesy royalty free stuff all the time. Uh, I'm going to be looking out for some of the musicians that I know personally. And if you're here on this show and you're interested you can always get a hold of us and, and give us submissions of music. Uh, we're trying show at gmail.com. Hey, no guarantee it'll be on the air, but uh, I, I guarantee that I won't use it unless you let me. I'll put anything on the air. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> we're still working on that pirate show, folks. I've put music on by QAnon people. Um, yeah, that's true. You actually did do that. That song uh, it was a banger. Well, we can all have different interpretations of bangers. It was stuck in my head for like three weeks. <laughs> well, that's a mental illness. Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, there's all of that. A little bit of house cleaning and uh, welcome and how do you do. Um, maybe though, we'll kind of just jump right into things this week. There's been a lot going on with Fort Hood, if you're familiar. I've been wanting to talk about Fort Hood for months now, but it was a little bit of a black box. There was a series of deaths, potential suicides, potential murders. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like like a really hellish, like a cursed fucking army base. Yeah. Sergeant Elders Fernandez has been missing for nearly a week. His unit says they've searched Fort Hood, the barracks, the parking lots there on the post, but still no sign of him. His family now desperate to find him. And tonight we have horrifying new details about what happened to Vanessa Guillen, the soldier from Houston who disappeared from Fort Hood. New for you this morning, the Navajo Nation president wants a congressional inquiry into the deaths of two members of the tribe at Fort Hood, Texas. Over the summer in July and August, Private Carlton Chi and Army Specialist Miguel Yazzie died at that Army base. Yeah, so the the news story out of the last week, 
There have been 14 people either fired or suspended as a result of an investigation into patterns of sexual assault, harassment, suicides, and yes, murder most foul. Uh, this investigation came after the death of specialist Vanessa Guillen, who was murdered at Fort Hood earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So, Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy uh, directed the establishment of an independent review committee on July 30th, one month after Guillen's body was found. And this committee surveyed over 31,000 soldiers, interviewed over 600, and met with a lot of local leaders, whether they were civic leaders, elected leaders, and law enforcement. And they concluded their investigation with uh, nine findings and 70 recommendations. Hmm. Uh, Findings are kind of like, you've been doing this wrong. And recommendations are ways that you need to remedy this, obviously. Um, So this guy McCarthy was quoted as saying, uh, the findings of the committee identified major flaws with the sexual harassment and assault response prevention program from implementation, reporting, and education. Fundamental issues with the Fort Hood Criminal Investigation Command field office activities that led to unaddressed problems at Fort Hood. And finally, a command climate at Fort Hood that was permissive of sexual harassment and sexual assault. They did quite a bit of surveying on this, and uh, the local people that they brought in to kind of form this committee, uh, they're from all over the place. One of them is Chris Swecker. Uh, He's a lawyer and former assistant director of the FBI's Criminal Investigative Division said, There was a founded fear that the confidentiality of the reporting process would be compromised. We saw a delayed process, and you know the saying, justice delayed is justice denied. I was talking with a coworker recently that doesn't have, you know, first-hand account of this, but a tangential account. It can be known within the military that Fort Hood itself is, uh, as you say, like just a very hellish kind of place. It tends to stand out when, when it comes to the way things are done there. And, uh, yeah, they, they found, you know, within the higher ranks, there are a lot of these people that were either fired or suspended are high-ranking. They're major generals and, uh, you know, admirals and um, have, they are career military. It's incredibly toxic culture coming <clears throat> from the top down. Mm-hmm. Uh, another member of that committee, uh, Cueto Rodriguez, says, We discovered 93 credible accounts of sexual assault. Of those, only 59 were reported, showing a serious lack of confidence in the system. This was one of the things they found kind of over and over is... Uh, the way the reporting system worked within Fort Hood was just kind of, it was baked in that nothing ever comes of it. They had said, you know, that they had seen so many people waiting for education that they just never saw it at all. Like uh, the, the gears did not come grinding to a halt. They just never moved at all. And so, yeah, earlier this year, we saw uh, multiple people who either it was, it was deemed suicide or murder, but they were from Fort Hood. And one of the things about this is that the military has kind of its own set of laws when it comes to a missing person. You know, typically whenever you go to the police and you want to file a missing persons report and you think that this person is in danger, you wait a certain amount of time and then you can put out the alert and it is now an alert. Whereas with the military, you have to wait a slightly shorter amount of time But immediately after that happens, it is listed that the soldier went AWOL. Uh, There is not an investigation of whether or not something may have happened to uh, the soldier or the enlistee. 
It is simply, oh, they, they've gone and disappeared, you know, and there's, <laughs> there's then an extended period of time where they're not even really concerned with trying to uh, find uh, that person. And that's, so that's one of the things that they're trying to, one of the things that they're trying to do different here now is to reform that act and, I don't know, treat a soldier like a civilian insofar as uh, how much they're protected under the law. Because it seems that, you know, oh, you're a soldier, you've basically signed it away, and so now if something happens to you and you disappear, uh, we're going to assume that you've, I don't know, gone rogue, instead of maybe kind of being concerned and showing a concern for them. So with the case of Specialist Vanessa Guillen, uh, sorry, Guillen, the, um, how long did it take for them to find her body after she disappeared? I don't know the exact amount of time, but it was something on the order of two or three months, I want to say. I want to say that she had disappeared early in the year, and it wasn't until June uh, that they had found her body, not far from Fort Hood. Uh, and in fact, the the person that they ended up tracking a- down and April charging... April 22nd, she disappeared. April 22nd. And uh, the person who was charged over that uh, ended up killing himself. Uh, he shot himself as he was approached by police. Yeah. They did make an arrest of his girlfriend, a civilian, who helped him to, like, he bludgeoned her to death. Yeah. Uh, and um, put her body in a trunk and uh, most likely attempted to dismember her uh, with the help of his girlfriend. Um, I think that's where we're at right now. I don't know if there's been a trial. I don't, not that I've heard. I think that this is basically, this This is the first that's really come out of it since everything has happened, is uh, just that a committee was established and uh, they they talked with a lot of people and did a lot of research and, and found that uh, there, is, there is the prime environment here for people to get away with really horrendous stuff. And uh, there's there's a lack of protection for people within the system. Okay. A witness told investigators that uh, Specialist Gian left the arms room where she'd been working and went to the arms room controlled by Specialist Robinson, uh, now deceased. He gave her the paperwork and then said he believed she left to go to the motor pool. So yeah, police figured out that... Um, Specialist Robinson was the last person she texted, mm-hmm. and when questioned about it, he said, yeah, she, she came in, she checked out some equipment, he read her the serial numbers, and then she left. Right. Uh, a couple days later, sorry, two witnesses said later the same day they saw Specialist Robinson coming out of the arms room pulling a large tough box with wheels that appeared very heavy in weight. Mm-hmm. And then on June 30th, human remains were found near the Leon River in Bell County, Texas, and that's one of the things about uh, the arrest of Robinson's uh, girlfriend, who is said to have a part in this. And she said she that she helped dismember the body with an axe or hatchet and a machete-style knife. So the findings of this committee has shown that uh, the culture of this, uh, when, when they're using the term and, and the findings, they're not just talking about on the base. They are talking about civilians in and around Fort Hood mm-hmm. who also contribute to the culture. So it's, it's the kind of thing where even after you leave the base and you try to go back to your everyday life as a, just a person, you, you are still within that. And uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be people who there, there are essentially what I heard alleged to is that there are bullying campaigns uh, and everything that are taken out by civilians too, who 
have their own ties with the military and they hear about a troublemaker and they end up becoming ostracized by the local community, uh, both, you know, military personnel and civilians. A bill has been introduced uh, named hashtag I'm Vanessa Guyen after a uh, hashtag that encouraged military members to talk about their own sexual harassment and sexual assault experiences. Um, it's in the early stages. If passed, it will allow the creation of a third party agency to which active duty service members could report allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Yeah, I should hope that that would go through and there would be some better systems in place. Um, I'll, I'll say this to anybody listening who either is or knows somebody is in the military uh, who might be going through something like this and you don't feel like you can trust the systems. Uh, I've, I mean, first I'd recommend that you call the goddamn FBI. Uh, <laughs> you know, something like there's, you have to be able to go outside of that system. Um, but I would like to see... I'd like to see more in place, uh, more accessible means in place to people who are, yeah, being harassed and intimidated and fucking murdered. Murdered, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. There was another suicide earlier this year, too, that has been, it's been kind of questionable, but it's been dubbed a suicide. Uh, I could be thinking of something different because uh, Fort Hood officials have reported 26 soldiers have died this year in accidents, suicides, homicides, illness, and pending cases. Uh, One additional soldier died in Iraq. Um, So far this year, they say five have died in homicide. Yeah. Um, I'll say, though, that there's something about this that, in in thinking about it, it calls forth some other thoughts. Because we've heard about this, uh, well, I mean, kind of all over, but just not so many years ago in Austin with uh, law enforcement and about uh, that, that, uh, what do they call it, the the blue curtain or the the blue shield, uh, and that, that reluctance for accountability uh within law enforcement there was a story i forget the i forget the name of the guy but there was somebody years ago who was trying to bring up uh, racism and uh, unfair practices within apd and uh, he was very quickly ostracized and he was he was also being intimidated he would go out to his car and find a dead rat uh, on the hood of his car and uh, you know messages being given to him that's pretty uh, typical police department shenanigans uh, all across the country if somebody's right. trying to speak out the reason that i bring that up is because uh we do all know that uh, iconic punisher skull right okay hold on let me grab another beer grab one for me this fuck
that's the timer for the meatloaf, folks. And uh, so Jenna's left the room to get more beers and meatloaf. And uh, welcome to my new solo project, uh, Just Joe. This is gonna be this is gonna be kind of a lighthearted, whimsical show. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, did did you hear the one about the cannibals? There's two cannibals sharing a bowl of clown soup. One of them says to the other, "This shit tastes funny to you." That's a good one. Doesn't really play well here, I guess. Uh, anyway, this has been Just Joe. Um, let us know how you like it. We're at JustJoeShow at gmail.com. And I'm lying, of course. That is not a real thing. Yeah, this whole thing about the Punisher skull, right? So uh, I was somebody who uh, read the Punisher back in the 90s when I was a young and into comic books. Uh, I liked it because the guy was an anti-hero, right? See, I uh, wait, who did Punisher? Um, well, insofar as this Marvel Comics did, and insofar as the story is relevant, we're talking about uh, Jerry Conway, who was a co-creator. I was going to say... A lot of people have done Punisher work because it stayed within the Marvel Universe for a long time, so even uh, Garth Ennis uh, did, did quite a bit with it. I'm trying to think about some anti-hero uh, comics that I used to enjoy reading. That would probably be, let's see, uh, you had Spawn, obviously. He's an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Lobo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Lobo. He's uh, he's a bounty hunter. He's got a foul mouth, but not really. Uh, he just foul says, mouth and a heart of gold. He says things like heckin' because it's a comic for kids, so he can't really swear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll uh, throw some asterisks up there to let you know that he did, in fact, do a swear. Ooh. Over the years, we've we've seen that symbol uh, co-opted by military law enforcement, uh, and actually one of the uh, one of the first points that this came from was a American sniper uh, by Chris Kyle, who was enlisted to serve overseas. He was known for adorning his equipment with the emblem, and uh, even nicknamed his unit the Punishers. He had said about Frank Castle, uh, the Punisher, the fictional character. He righted wrongs. He killed bad guys. He made wrongdoers fear him. We spray-painted the Skull logo on our Hummers and body armor and our helmets and all our guns. We spray-painted it on every building or wall we could. We wanted people to know we're here and we want to fuck with you. Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit on previous episodes, um, how it's um, it can only be... A little bit disconcerting when law enforcement officials who are meant to be public servants who serve and protect uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. start co-opting uh, a symbol of death. Uh, it, right. Just in and of itself, the skull, it's not, a, it's not a great look. It's not a great sign. It's not. So all of this has been going on, which has led to uh, the aforementioned Jerry Conway. He's a co-creator of the comic book character, and he's been teaming up with various artists to draw attention to the co-opting of the symbol. There's a quote that he's got that says, For too long, symbols associated with a character I co-created have been co-opted by forces of oppression and to intimidate black Americans. This character and symbol was never intended as a symbol of oppression. This is a symbol of systematic failure of equal justice. It's time to claim this symbol for the cause of equal justice and Black Lives Matter. And so... You can actually go online right now and uh, search for Black Lives Matter, Skulls for Justice, and uh, you can find a whole host of uh, 
apparel that is done by various artists and Jerry Conway. And this is uh, proceeds of this go to Black Lives Matter. And it is it is a fundraiser for social justice and equal justice. And it's an attempt to reclaim kind of like something more to the core of what the Punisher was. There's a confusion about this character. He was painted as like a war hero or a cop who just suddenly felt like the system doesn't go far enough. And so he uh, went vigilante. In fact, I mean, the, the Punisher first appeared in 1974. That was the same year that Death Wish with Charles Bronson came out and vigilanteism was kind of vogue back then. Really what Conway and other people were trying to create as they fleshed out this character and kind of made something of him in the 80s was more that he is a he is a damaged person that the system has failed. And so now he is ripping the system up. He's not doing what people should do. The The idea of the character is that it, it is pointing to a flawed system and only a flawed system would create such a person. And so it's a thing that's kind of lost on a lot of the people that wear a Punisher skull with a blue stripe down it for, for blue lives or what have you. It's really lost on them that the entire inception of this character he is a symbol of a flawed system. There's a bread tuber whose name I can't remember right now. He's great. He had done a whole series uh, or a two-part uh, series on the appeal of vigilante cops and how that became a thing in um, following how that became a thing in popular culture. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, when it comes to like renegade cops, they consider that the system is flawed because it doesn't allow them to... Because they see murderers walk. Yeah, they yeah. don't have respect for the justice system, which, you know, frankly, I don't think any of us do, really. I mean, yeah, fucking who does? Uh, but their problem with it is that there's too many rights for the accused. And um, yeah, that's when vigilante justice becomes necessary. Look, man, I watched Taxi Driver 2, okay? <laughs> fucking whatever. Wait, Taxi Driver 2? Um... <laughs> Yeah, that one was a uh, pretty cult. Not Tra- a lot of people have Tra- seen it. Travis's uh, Travis Bickle returns. Travis Bickle returns. Yeah, uh, and then um, Bill yeah, Murray. Obviously, Bill Murray was in that one actually. Uh, Taxi Driver Three, Electric Boogaloo, uh, <laughs> where Travis has to save the rec center. No, I, uh, I, through a dance off. I feel like it would be like uh, Taxi Driver Three. Shit, what was the subtitle for Back to the Future 3? Oh my god, I don't know. Ah, fuck knows. Roads to Tomorrow or something. Anyway, there. Taxi Driver 3, Roads to Tomorrow. Um... We don't need no roads. <laughs> <laughs> Taxi Driver 3, we don't need no roads. Uh, TM, TM, TM. Get at us if you want some of this great IP that we're making right now. Um, but yeah, being somebody who really appreciated it. And if Jen... If you right now pick up one of my old notebooks that's somewhere in this house and you find little doodles that I would have made as a teenager or a young 20-something, you would find that I doodled the Punisher skull occasionally. Why? Because I, I felt like it was a flawed character and a flawed system, and I feel like it said more about society than it did about any individual. But you, you know what I mean? I mean, you related to Punisher. 
Or did you find it more like a symbol of anarchy? I did not necessarily relate to the Punisher. Would you put the Punisher skull right next to the hastily scrawled anarchy sin- uh, symbol in your note in your old notebooks? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't relate to the character of the Punisher at all. I, I, I viewed him again as a symbol and as as something to, kind of like a, a cautionary tale, mm. you know. Um, but. And so far as why I liked it is because you had a person here that did not have superpowers or anything else. Uh, this this was a much more human story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think that that's also why it's caught on with so many people is because this is actually a, a pretty human story and, and a very human conflict that a lot of people have to go through. It's especially if you go through the military and, and you have PTSD and everything, and then you come back home and... Things are entirely different, you know, and and you have to you do see corruption within the justice system and within the legal system. And you feel like all of everything that you fought for is failing you and failing those around you. And you can be driven to madness by it. I can definitely understand. Yeah, no, I can understand being overwhelmed uh, by the stagnation and corruption and, and double dealing and self-serving. Yeah. What, what was the author's name again? Uh, he, the co-creator Jerry Conway. Uh, the thing to remember is that when it comes to comic books, tons of people are attached. Oh, so yeah. this this guy helped create the character, and another person did too. And over the years, they they kind of wrote it, but uh, oh, they, I was just they were not like sole authors of it. I was yeah. just gonna say, I feel like Jerry Conway and Matt Fury though should totally get together and have beers and commiserate. Because Matt Fury, of course, came up with Peppy the Frog. Um, that was a popular comic strip back in a more innocent period of the internet. Right. As as often happens when something becomes a little too pop culture, you got your Reddit trolls that are like, or your 4chan trolls. I don't know where this came from. I'm going to say Reddit. Sounds um, right. If this pop culture figure is going to also share peppy memes, you know, we have to take it back. Mm-hmm. We have to take it back down into the swamp where we live. Right. So now that you're concocting all these vile Nazi, you know, peppy memes. Yeah, that shit went wild. And the Nazis right away, or neo-Nazis right away were like, yes, please, I'll take some yeah. of that. I'll have some of that frog, please. First, uh, Matt Fury was like, you know, the internet's kind of, uh, it's kind of wild and woolly, and uh, does anyone really own anything? I mean, it's just right. kind of a, anyone's creation is going to evolve. That's how that's how memes work. But then, yeah, at some point, it just, Peppy became a legitimate, like, official hate symbol. Fucking wild. At a, this, a frog is like, a hate symbol. Poor yeah. Matt Fury is like, oh. Could you actually remove Peppy from the hate symbol list? Uh, I've got a couple lawsuits pending now oh, to actually officially claim my intellectual property because yeah. I don't like this anymore. Yeah, man, that was sad that, yeah, he was, because none of his comics had anything to do with politics or society. No, it's like, just about what feels good, man. Yeah, it was pretty straightforward. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, no, there's... God. There's a movie that just dropped, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but probably called Feels Good, man, that, uh, yeah, highlights the, the journey that Peppy took uh, to mm-hmm. where he is now, kind of like bloated and crazy looking and fucked up and just like now the mascot for the Groypers, mm. uh, which are, yeah, some some racist MAGA people. 
Um, and we call them the Groypers. Are they these call, like they call themselves Groypers? Are these like underground people or something? Like, what kind of name is that? Yeah, I think so. They call themselves Groypers. Yeah, is that an acronym? I don't know the origin of the term Groyper. Groyper was just the name of the fraud. L- listen, yeah, rare peppy memes were being traded like currency during during the height of um, that that period of the internet that I don't care to remember. Mm. Um, yeah, th- there was obviously like offshoots and evolutions of peppy, and uh, Groyper was just one of those frogs that was one of those. Okay, okay, yeah. The internet is a wild and woolly place. I'll admit, um, and. And shame on you for taking part of it. <laughs> the internet makes me so happy sometimes when when people memes make me so happy sometimes. They make me like I'm gonna tell you laugh and clap. I go, yeah. oh yes, yes, I love that you've done this. There's I, some of that good stuff. I love this entire all the crowdsourcing that it it took to create this one joke that you wouldn't understand if you hadn't followed along. Sure. Um, and then other times it makes me so sad. Yeah. I think we can basically, no, a... we can like look back and all agree that it, this whole internet thing was probably a bad idea. We probably shouldn't have done it. Yeah. We weren't ready for this level of communication <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. You got a lot of really good stuff out there and any one of those things could easily be twisted into something dark and evil and, and backwards, <laughs> you know, just by a few people who were trying to make a joke, you know? Uh, that's that's the power of the internet. It is unfathomable how deep that goes.
internet is a mental disease. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right, but there's an aspect of the internet that fascinates me, which is that it's chaos that constantly congeals into order, like, over and over and over again. Well, I mean, that's that's what humans do with chaos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Chaos exists and humans make sense of it. Go humans. Yeah. I guess. <clears throat> I mean, I, I feel like we're a giant anthill that's been poisoned by some uh by fenthrin or something and uh we're yeah reacting chaotically as a result um i don't know i think uh well i i kill a lot of ants so so there you go uh, i hate to do it because i think they are fascinating um they're such a well-ordered species um yeah, most most times if you poison an ant, it's going to go off and commit altruistic suicide um, rather than risk uh, bringing whatever it's carrying back to the colony. Otherwise, if they sense that it's ill in some way, uh, they'll they'll drive it out or kill it themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, yeah, it's a it's a pretty tight society, and I really appreciate that about ants. They're um, they know what the fuck they're doing. It seems like. Yeah, I, don't know. I hate killing fire ants, but I also know that they're they're more powerful than us, and they, they would probably spread out and take over the world if we didn't we'll put a little ding in there. Uh, like fire ants will be here. There's no changing that. Like humanity comes and goes. Fire ants are forever. Well, humanity brought these reefers here. I'm just saying. Uh, but you know, you're right. Fire ants are forever. Um, Should that be the name of our new show? <laughs> And I admire the hell out of them. And uh, yeah, when I look at humanity, sometimes I look at some some ants scrambling crazily that have been exposed to neurotoxins and no longer know how to function. Yeah, I can tell you. Turn this. on each other. Don't always yeah function in a way that's well that's like best for society. I can tell you that uh, if it wasn't for the internet, I wouldn't be having to deal with all these assholes asking about bulletproof coffee. You want to know how tired I am about that conversation? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, how how tired are you? So tired I could puke. I don't. I didn't have a punchline there. Not a good punchline. More important than the existence of the internet is the fact that we're all living lives of quiet desperation, and mm-hmm. we are all willing to to try to do or believe anything yeah. if it would just make us feel okay for even, even a little more while. So, even more so these days, yeah. Well, uh, I've I've got one more little thing that I want to I want to bring up mainly because we're coming at you out of Texas, Taylor, Texas, like smack dab in the middle, nearly. Uh, so middle wanna... of Taylor, middle of Texas. Yep, damn near the middle of the country. That's our exact slogan of our town. Uh, so Ken Paxton, the Texas Attorney General, and sack of shit in the shape of a man. Has filed a fucking doozy of a lawsuit. Um, Of course, the Supreme Court has already declined to hear it because it's utter garbage. But basically, uh, Texas sought to interfere in the sovereignty of other states, namely Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and overturned the electoral voters, thus handing Trump an illegitimate win over 100 Republicans filed amicus briefs to support this unconstitutional move. So we're closer than we've been in a, certainly our lifetimes to secession. It's here's the thing. 
The names of the states on those amicus briefs include New California and New Nevada, which are not the names of those states. Those are not real states. And so it seems like the Supreme Court should be able to bat that out immediately by being like, oh, you're that's not <laughs> that's not a legitimate place in America. Um, I don't know what you're trying for there. And of course, yeah, some Texans are they're starting to, you know, bandy about that whole secessionist talk again. Um, I mean, it's never really like, left. I feel like uh, in the past, what, uh, six to eight years We've heard a lot of talk about Texas and secession, uh, us being in Texas, and we've come to understand that though it's kind of allegedly like written in that Texas can secede when it wants, that's not actually true. Texas can't just secede. Yeah, no, I've been, I've been hearing that can. that kind of talk ever since Ron Paul. Yeah, twenty. That's that's the whatever. same shit as like uh, if you if you go to get your driver's license and you say you, you write in duress uh, after your name, <laughs> you're suddenly you don't have to pay taxes or whatever. Like it's right. the same kind of bullshit, you know. But there is a lawsuit. But filed. have you tried it? Well, no, I don't have a license. Try not paying your taxes. See how that goes. <laughs> Uh, there's this lawsuit that Ken Paxson put forward and, uh, yeah, over a hundred other Republicans have filed amicus briefs to support it. And, uh, isn't that wonderful? It's likely that Paxson did this just to curry favor with Trump, hoping to get a pardon for what he'll probably soon get arrested for bribery and abuse of office. He's been formally under investigation for a couple months now. Actually, uh, yes, but uh, one thing that, you know, uh, probably a lot of people who don't live in Texas know is that our AG, uh, Ken Paxton, has been under indictment since 2015. <laughs> he was reelected while under indictment and has remained under uh, indictment low these five years. It's funny how hard it is to legally pin down a guy who is attorney general. Yep. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. So uh, he was initially uh, has been under indictment for um, security fraud abuses uh I, I just know there was two first degree charges. Security fraud is a thing I didn't know about. And one third degree charge uh, against him. Uh, but yeah, over the last two months. He's been more officially under investigation, including just this last Friday, his office was subpoenaed by the FBI. Uh, the subpoena, uh, the specifics are unclear on that. This is just like a lot of times we'll talk about. Uh, filings or things that we're hearing in the news, but it is a very prelim preliminary report. And because it's an ongoing investigation, all the details are scanned, names are redacted, blah, 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 blah. But we know that the FBI literally showed up to Ken Paxson's office with a subpoena. Yeah. As of for, two days ago, he's been subpoenaed. Now these accusations were made uh, to the FBI, as you were saying earlier, when it came to abuses within the, you know, uh, on army bases on American soil. Um, yeah, when your boss is the law, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? You got to go to an outside source. So yeah. seven deputies, the seven highest people working under Ken Paxton, all made complaints against him. Yep. Um, for allegations ranging from bribery, I, I believe it's primarily um, accepting bribes. Correct? Bribery. And then also the abuse of power whenever he got an independent lawyer to, uh, 
review the case that a one of his wealthy donors had brought up. Oh, yes. He had, he had a donor that had their house raided over some shit. And, uh, yeah, Ken Paxson, the attorney general, instead of going through the state system, got, got like, a personal uh, attorney for him. And, yeah, so that's totally not the way you're supposed to do things as the attorney general. Yeah. So all seven of these whistle, I guess, whistleblowers, whatever you want to call it, no longer work. uh, Oh, yeah. They've been expunged. They have been expunged, whether they quit, were fired, or... Or forced out. Or, yeah, just plain old forced out. But, yeah, a real real stand-up guy with a really legitimate lawsuit against other states that he does not like the way those states voted in this election. Well, we'll see. He had tweeted pretty recently something like, everybody, this is for, this is for all the beans or whatever. This is, this is for all the beans. This, this is for, (laughs) uh, this is for the president. You know, we got this. Oh yeah. And, and Trump jumped on that really quick too, because this was basically the last legal shot that they had. Hard to say if that, again, hard to say if he's a true believer or if, you know, cause presumably he has a law degree, right? Are you talking about, is it hard to say if Paxton, Paxton is a true believer? Is he a Trump? true believer or is he, that, that any of this would work or is he really just once again oh i think he's i think he's just a crook trying, going going for that presidential pardon he's a slippery snake trying everything he can to get out of the shackles that are closing in on him 100 percent. yeah but he's done a really good job for five years i'm just saying uh with the support of uh voting texans i mean yeah hey y'all look at how the fuck you're voting i mean look i grew up in new mexico and our folk hero was billy the kid he was an outlaw. He was deputized, and then he murdered some people he wasn't supposed to, and then the law came after him, blah, 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 blah. But he was a people's person. He was a folk hero. He was against corruption. He was against rampant capitalism. And that's why he's a folk hero in New Mexico and parts of Texas, uh, here in the West. That's why we like outlaws, is because we used to see people get treated horribly, and somebody would stand up to that. You can't, this is not the same. (laughs) Ken Paxton is not, he's not speaking truth to power. He's not challenging any of the dynamics that actually harm people. He is a crook and he is, he's one of the people that you act, that Billy the Kid would actually go against. I mean, this is the thing that drives me nuts too. So many of these corrupt, wealthy people in positions of power that fuck other people over will still look at Billy the Kid and think of themselves as outlaws. Joe checking in here to give you that little station break. Just want to take a moment to say thanks. Uh, Thanks for listening to our show. We're trying now uh, Radio Gripe. And thanks for listening to KBSR, Black Sparrow Digital Broadcasting. Yeah, uh, we're we're doing it. I've been talking about it for a while and it's actually happening. We're moving into podcasting format. 
We're still kind of ironing out some of the details, but um, at this point you're probably listening uh, to my dulcet tones here on, um, I don't know, Spotify or something. So um, we're, we're happy to move forward with that and make the show a little bit more accessible to everybody. Uh, I hope that you're enjoying that. Maybe because you've been one of our patrons uh, in our Patreon community and uh, it's, it's a little bit easier for you to listen to. Thanks for doing that. That's how we've been able to grow the network that way. Uh, there's still room for more patrons. Always is. You can go over to uh, blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and look for the link there to take you to the Patreon. And uh, yeah, you can sign up for as little as $2 a month. Um, of course, there are several tiers. And uh, we do quarterly events um, a couple times a year, however much a quarter is. And uh, yeah, so you can get invites to that as long as you're like in the certain echelon. And yeah, you know, there's there's all kinds of bonus stuff that's going to be coming out and you get you get access to a little bit more stuff. Uh, but even if you're not, uh, hey, thanks so much for listening and uh, and for, for being part of the conversation with us. I need to say thanks one more time uh, to Alex of the Spectrostatic and Trev of the Mental State Fair um, for letting us uh, get down on some of their jams and put that in here. Um, if you are somebody I know or maybe you're somebody that I don't and uh, you're a musician and you want to submit your music for the show to kind of just be used for bits and pieces here and there uh, feel free to our email is still currently we're trying show at gmail.com uh, but yeah you can reach out to us there or you can uh, find the Instagram page it's just uh, we're trying show it is going to be rebranded uh, radio gripe uh, and of course, uh, I just want to say, because um, we're, we're getting into winter, and uh, things are getting a little bit darker outside, a little colder, and uh, yeah, it's been a rough year, everybody, and it's, it's nearly over, but that doesn't mean that the, the fight is over, you know? Um, things are, things are going to continue being difficult for us um, as, we, as we move past 2020, and um, I just want to say, everybody, we, we appreciate you being resilient, being strong, and... Uh, we hope that you're staying safe out there and you're, you're staying committed uh, to taking care of yourself, your own mental health, and, uh, and to your own well-being and others, uh, if and whenever you can. Uh, it's a rough world and uh, yeah, no, nobody's getting out alone. So yeah, we have to, we have to stay in this thing together. And I, I appreciate all of you for listening to the show and for listening to the network. And um, hey, hope to be talking to you again next week. All right, well, let's get back to it. I got something to talk about because it's uh, it's that time of the year, time for the war on Christmas. And so uh, I found a fun story out of North Carolina rally specifically. A couple, they put up a six foot cross in their yard because it's Christmas, right? But the HOA of their neighborhood uh, came to them and said, hey, you got to take that cross down because... Fuck Christ is essentially what they're saying, right? Except for no, that's not actually what they're saying. The local HOA requested that the family take it down uh, as it was not considered a Christmas decoration. Instead, the cross is considered a symbol of Easter or Passover. Quote, The cross represents the death of Jesus Christ who died for our sins so we can have eternal life. The Christmas season is associated with the birth of the Savior, such as nativity scenes, which, be, which would be appropriate representation of the season. The board believes that the Bible is very clear on the distinction between these two major events in Christ's life on earth. Um, I'd love to have been present for that <laughs> HOA discussion. Yeah, where they're like, hey, you got to take that cross down 
That's it's past Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck, man? So so there's your war on Christmas right there. It's an HOA kind of like splitting some fucking hairs over Christ's actual lifeline or whatever. Um, That's fascinating that they chose that battle. You know what? I'm gonna say compare that to our front yard. We have uh, what are what are traditionally called Christmas lights out in the yard. I call uh, them holiday lights. Okay. They're, and I'll fight you if you call them anything different. That's fine. Uh, there's there's nothing denominational about the lights out on the front of our house and in our yard uh, whatsoever. If I had an HOA come to me saying that it wasn't Christy enough, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably put up a big crucified, bloody crucified Christ <laughs> in my front yard and be like, is is that is that what we're going for here? Because I'm Catholic. And that's, we really, we really love seeing bloody Christ on the cross. That's our thing. Like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck you're supposed to do with that, man. Yeah. Well, we on purpose don't live in a place with an HOA. Um, yeah. That, was, that bullet. That was never going to happen. I can't believe the entire, the entire idea of an HOA and these people coming to you and saying like, oh, um, the shade of teal that you've painted your house is actually two shades too light. You would you would need to have a slightly darker teal uh, in order to be in compliance with HOA standards. You're you're going to have to spend another several hundred dollars on your house to uh, come into compliance uh, to to have the proper shade of teal. I've heard stories about people that have burned their house down because of the HOA and because they're tired of it. I mean that didn't work out for them clearly, but. They, they essentially were kind of driven to this uh, Michael Douglas and falling down kind of moment. <laughs> or, I don't know, Frank Castle as the Punisher moment uh, because of this fucked up system. Uh, you know, make, making these arbitrary rules and uh, imposing these fines on them and everything. Well, uh, I just want to say back to the war on Christmas. The annual war on Christmas. Gosh darn it. Ah, it's my favorite time of the year. Um, Smells like napalm. <laughs> Representative Jim Jordan, uh, Republican Ohio, uh, just attacked uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci in a tweet. Uh, Fauci had put out a tweet warning that Americans should avoid travel and avoid congregate settings over the holidays in a bid to curb the spread of the coronavirus, which is raging across the country and has killed more than 275 thousand Americans. Uh, uh, I, I want to say it's like 290 at this point, isn't it? Yeah, this is actually from a week ago, but Representative Jim Jordan (laughs) said uh, uh, in a tweet, Dr. Fauci says Americans should, quote, avoid travel, unquote, over the holidays. What will he cancel next? Saying Merry Christmas. So, yeah, obviously Fauci's in on the plot to uh, destroy Christmas, make war on it, or otherwise just make it a secular holiday, I guess? Well, I mean, another reason to like him, but also I'm going to just point out that Fauci does not have that kind of authority. And so anybody who's trying to take that to him... But uh, he already tried to cancel... Man, uh, y'all picking the wrong fight. Y'all um, picking the wrong fight. Traveling. Didn't he... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I mean, I, I I feel like the fact that you've like breezed over how insane this is is indicative of the era that we live in currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah I that think anyone it is. would choose to have that response to a common sense text by 
the foremost infectious disease uh, expert in mm-hmm. our nation mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. during this time of unprecedented uh, spread of an incredibly contagious and deadly disease, we should probably keep our Christmas celebrations uh, low key this year. Yeah, it is a buck wild setting that we're in these days. I mean, oh, my God. Remember back in um, July of three years ago when no, <laughs> I'm just going to say right now, no. It was announced that Trump officially ended the war on Christmas. Sorry, it was it was his first year in office, and it, sorry, it was the summer of his first year in office, and the Trump administration, uh, the Trump boys, mm-hmm. along with uh, Donald, declared that Americans are now saying Merry Christmas again for the first time. Yeah, and we and saw they were, they were we even saw Christmas doing it. for the first time in like. 20 to 30 years they were doing they were people were saying merry christmas in the dead of july of trump's first year of presidency that's how successful he was at ending the war on christmas yeah i remember i but those limbs never give up i hadn't seen christmas since i was six years old uh yeah i had like heard tale about how it was maybe still a thing and people were were huddling in their basements uh around you know tiny bedraggled little uh trees with stars and glass balls on them that was almost certainly the peanuts christmas special which i also remember <laughs> yeah uh i was personally i'm, I'm glad that Char- they finally won the war on christmas and christmas is back it's fun me as an atheist i still enjoy christmas there's a magic in the air around us we all have the sudden urge to bake. It feels like a very special birthday. But whose name should be written on the cake? Shirley, you need to get out of here. We asked our public school to give the answer. They're not going to tell you. But they could only teach us not to pray. That's what they do. That's what they do. The Constitution says the state can't tell us. Was anyone important born today? Oh, that's Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ is no Cut the cake now. Cut the cake, my lord. But to say, yeah, know that know that the war on Christmas is apparently still ongoing. Um, uh, which is to say nothing about the war on Christ. I feel like that one's like maybe a little more important. I don't know. Oh, you you mean how? No, is it, it was nothing. That's nothing. I, I just wanted to say that, just to kind of point out how uh, irrelevant, unimportant, and ineffectual the war on Christmas is. You know, last week we we kind of broke the news that the House had passed the uh, reform to take away, uh, you know, federal charges uh, against uh, marijuana. And I totally slipped up and I didn't play uh, War on Drugs by Asylum Street Spankers. Would have, that would have been a pretty fair point for it. Uh, pretty, pretty good time for it. Uh, I didn't do that. But we're always we're always going to keep trying and we're always going to keep moving forward. And uh, so but thanks we for, are now radio gripe. But thanks for Let's tuning get over in, it. Uh, and uh, for all for all the new things that we're doing. Hey, thanks Alex for uh, 
supplying us with some music from a spectrostatic. I don't know if you listened to the show before. Sorry if you just are now finding out how dark it is. This is not our finest. This is not hour our finest of broadcast. But also, it's not our finest hour of existence. It's just what it is. Stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna keep doing this week after week because we um, are we we've been cursed. I think uh, cur- cursed slash blessed by uh, some kind of mysterious deity christmas spirit yeah santa cursed us to do this show i was gonna say christmas radio the rate the radio god uh goddess casey queso yep that's the guy shit i can't believe i spaced on his name but anyway uh thanks for tuning in everybody uh get at us on that email we're trying show at gmail.com check out our ig account we're trying show Check out Trev, Ren, and the Mental State Affair on some SoundCloud. Check out my homeboy Alex and his uh, solo project, A Spectrostatic, on Spotify and uh, most other places you can get music. And, uh, hey, keep trying, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Keep trying. Keep griping. Keep, keep grinding. Keep trying. Keep grinding. Keep griping. Keep grinding. If that's how you do your thing. Why didn't we do Radio Grind? Because that would be like MTV's The Grind. That was a long time ago. But The Grind. All of those young kids grinding, they're all dead now. (laughs) Think about that. They're all grinding in hell. (laughs) Or heaven. I doubt it. If the version of heaven that they're grinding in is still like, I don't know, Dan Cortez is there. Uh, if no. you're, if you're lucky, you get to see Daisy Fuentes, but she doesn't talk to you. I'm she just, just moves through the room. I'm just saying, maybe they finally got to rest and they didn't have to keep grinding. And maybe that's heaven for them. No, I feel like their idea would, of heaven would be to be able to grind forever without the, the flesh getting weak. They've been grinding low these 50 years. Low these... <laughs> Oh, Christ. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. (laughs) I'm Joe. I'm Jen. And fuck (laughs) y'all. See you next week.